The others stepped down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Love that. This week I um, had one of those unique opportunities that you have in life where you watch um, someone you... Can I just ask you to pray for me for a minute, church family? Thank you. I had a week this week. I was meeting with Dr. Graham on Monday, and we were just getting right down to a lot of exciting things, and I received a really great phone call that my little sister, who I'll tell you about in a little bit, was getting ready to give birth to her baby son, but it meant that my dad was going to be alone in Houston. And Dr. Graham said, what are you still doing here? Get down there and get to your dad, <laughs> which I so appreciated. And my dad is my best friend. He led me to Christ. I wouldn't be standing on this platform were it not for his ministry and my mom's impact in my life. But for those of you who have ever seen someone struggle up close, you know how challenging that can be, right? And this week, I asked the Lord to give me extra grace and peace as I wanted to be strong for my dad. But I watched my dad struggle. He has stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, in fact, if we can just uh, bring a picture up on the screen, I think we have a picture, two pictures. Can we show the one before that, Brian? Do you mind? Because that was this week, but I want to show you a different picture. This was uh, two months ago where I was, my dad in this very room, I actually took the photo because I wanted to remember it, but God, ladies and gentlemen. My dad was told by this doctor, who by the way is our former doctor, that he had days to live. And he had a, quote, very decent chance of dying because he had developed HLH. His body was trying so desperately to fight this cancer on its own that he was going to not, if he didn't die of the cancer, he was going to die of HLH. Well, my dad, to God be the glory, is cancer-free right now. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to show you the next picture because I have not seen my dad smile. We can go to the next photo. I haven't seen my dad smile like this 
in a really long time. And this is our new doctor. And But I saw the toll it takes. And so this morning as I teach God's word in John 5, and I'd encourage you to go there, I'm even going to have my voice be a little different as I teach God's word this morning because I know there are people this morning who are hurting in our pews. You're hurting. You're battling something that maybe no one knows you're battling. You might be suffering. It might not be as outward as my dad, but you're struggling nonetheless. And I want to minister God's word to you today. Jesus has four things that he wants to teach us from John chapter 5. And before I go into the message, I want to bring up this little mat. Can you all see this mat right here? It's dirty. It's stinky. It makes a mess everywhere. And I got Pastor Buster's permission, by the way, before I came up here with this. He blessed this already. This is a mat, probably like the mat that the unnamed man of John chapter 5 made his bed, and as we'll learn, for 38 years. It's interesting, another bed plays a role in Jesus' healing scene in Mark chapter 2. Do you remember the paralytic who was lowered through the ceiling, those of you that have read the Bible and in the Gospel of Mark chapter 2? Jesus commands the same thing when he heals both, take that bed up and walk out. Now, some of you have walked in here today and you may not be wrapped around with a bed of straw all over you. We can't really see your heart, but God can. He knows. He knows the struggle that you're facing right now. Might not be as overt as a man who was ill for 38 years, but you're carrying this, and this mat has become your trigger. It's a place that you don't want to go in your mind because if you go there, it triggers you. It's become, it's so much pain that to even think about it is inexpressible. We learn in God's Word from John chapter 5 that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can take our triggers and he can turn them to triumphs. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can take our mats that we might have walked in here with, he can turn them to milestones. Jesus can take the greatest pain that you're facing, and those of you watching right now by television or on a screen, whatever pain you're facing, he can make it your purpose. In the scriptures in John chapter 5, Jesus is about to perform a miracle. It's fascinating to me that we know of at least 47 miracles that Jesus performs in the four Gospels. I want to encourage you to write that down. Jesus performs 47 miracles, and as Pastor Graham and I have mentioned to you, we only have parts of 26 days in the life of Jesus. So Jesus was performing a miracle every day, a couple of them, right? In fact, at the very end of John's gospel, there's a powerful statement, the last verse. It says, now there are many other things that Jesus did, 
were every one of them to be written down, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books to hold them. Jesus did a lot of miracles. But John says in John, and and let's get the statement of this passage very clear, but actually comes from John chapter 20 and verse 30 and 31. John has very evangelistic purposes for the message that he's unfolding. He says this, Jesus performed many other signs. Say that word signs with me out loud. Signs, miracles, wonders which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the third of seven sign miracles that Jesus does in the first part of the Gospel of John, which the first part of the Gospel of John, which would be John chapter 2 through John chapter 12, has actually been nicknamed the Book of Signs. There are seven of them in number, and I'm excited that we're teaching each of them. Next week, we'll be looking at the feeding of the 5,000, the only miracle of Jesus recorded, of course, outside of the resurrection um, in all four Gospels. It's fascinating to me that when you ask someone to define a miracle, sometimes individuals struggle to define a miracle. How would you define a miracle? Is it a miracle if the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. Is it a miracle if the, if, uh, the Rangers won? I don't know. Don't even get me started on that with Pastor Graham. Amen. <laughs> I want to define a miracle for you, and I want you to write this down so you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about it's a miracle that you passed your class or it's a miracle you got here late today and made it to church. I'm talking about it's a, a true blue miracle. How do we define it? I define a miracle in one sentence, God acting beyond the usual course of nature in a way that draws special attention to him, to God. Let's look at that one more time. God acting beyond the usual course of nature in a way that draws special attention to him. It's impossible to calculate all the miracles that Jesus did. And now I want to speak to you not only as a brother in Christ, but as a historian. Are you aware that since 1970, there has been an outbreak of documented miracles all over the world that point to Jesus Christ? It's fascinating when I bring up authors like Philip Jenkins at Penn State, J.P. Moreland, Craig Keener, I'm talking about actual miracles where God did something beyond the course of nature in a way that drew glory to him. There are more miracles happening right now than in any other time since the first century. Audrey and I were in Beijing, China. We were with a missionary by the name of Jim. I won't say his last name. He gives leadership to over a thousand missionaries in mainland China. Took us two days to find an unmonitored bus because every American who visits the PRC is monitored by the Chinese government. Interestingly enough, when we finally got on an unmonitored bus, Jim was able to share with our team everything God was doing right now in China. And do you know how he described it? He said, Jeremiah, Audrey, everything you read about in the book of Acts is happening right now in the, bu- in the country of China. 
everything. And do you know those miracle reports are happening all over the world? It's documented in medical journals. Hematologists who say, I never used this term before, but I'm going to use it now, miracle. Do you know God is acting powerfully right now? You are in a special time to be alive if you're a follower of Jesus. This is the golden age of Christianity. It's one of the reasons I believe we very likely could be living in the end of times before Jesus returns. We're seeing more miracles, more evidences, and yet we also know there's a greater deception on people, a greater confusion even among Christians. So as a general rule of thumb, I want to be the kind of Christian who prays and who seeks miracles, don't you? I want to be the kind of follower of Jesus that when I'm in a hospital room in Sugarland, Texas, and I'm told a man who is the dearest man in my life is going to die, I don't flinch because no matter what, I know God is in control. That's the kind of faith I'm learning about this morning in this message. Miracles to me are signs that God has not forgotten his promises. God is not asleep. God is aware of the challenges, the mats, the dirty, stinky, smelly mats that you walked in here today with. He's very well aware of it. They're temporary, these miracles, but they point us to a hope and eternal life in Christ, that God is in ultimate control. It's fascinating right now because we live in a world that is the most educated of all time, and yet did you know 27% of Americans, according to the latest data point, claim to have experienced physical healing that, quote, could only be explained as miraculous healing and not solely a result of a normal process, medical procedure, or the body healing itself. That's fascinating to me. In fact, nearly 100 million Americans express belief that they'd experienced some sort of divine miracle. You know what would be so cool for us to do? We should do a book sometime as a church family where we all submit a true miracle story. Wouldn't you love to read a book like that? I've experienced at least three miracles in my life, things that you cannot explain in the natural world. How about you? Those miracles remind me God's not forgotten me. He's not forgotten his promises to us. So since 1970, there's been an explosion of Book of Acts miracles. It's like it's like what C.S. Lewis wrote in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan is on the move. And friends, you need to get involved with where God is working here at our church. Let's talk for a minute about our passage in John chapter 5, verse 1. After, the, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. I personally think it's Purim. Um, that's that festival from the book of Esther for you Bible readers. And it's interesting because the Feast of Purim was a feast designed where you would specifically give alms to the poor. You would seek out the poor. And so on this particular day, there would have been many more than normal gathered at the pool of Bethesda. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. Do you know what that means in Aramaic? House of mercy. But do you know in Jesus' times, we would define it as a house of misery? We actually have, I'm so thankful for our media team, some aerials of the first century city of Jerusalem. Can we pull those up for a moment? I want to show you where specifically Bethesda was located in the old city of Jerusalem. 
Oh, this is a beautiful, don't you just love that picture? That's a beautiful painting of Jesus healing the man at Bethesda that we're about to learn about. You see the mat? Do you see the straw mat? Kind of like the one we have here today. I can even smell the mat. This right here is the Temple Mount, how it would have been in first century Jerusalem. Now, if you look to the right, do you see to the right there are two colonnades? And there's what looks like little squares. Those would be the pools. Are you seeing that? Nod your head at me so I know you're listening out there. You're seeing it? Okay, let's go to the next one. If we can go to the next slide. Do you see it now? Do you see what I'm talking about? That is the pool of Bethesda. Because later in our passage, Jesus run, bumps into the man who's healed at the temple. And what I want you to know is it wasn't that far away. <laughs> Do you see that? So it's not strange that Jesus bumped into him in front of the temple. Every time I study the Bible, and I've been teaching our life groups the last two weeks, and I can't wait to return next week, I do the CIA method. Let me summarize eight years of education of my life in three words. Context, interpretation, application, okay? When I study the Bible, I want to know something of its context. So there's Bethesda. I want to know the interpretation, how Jesus would have interpreted it. And then I want to be able to apply the text to my life. So I'm doing, there, by the way, there's two master's degrees for you. You don't even need to go to school. That's how you study the Bible. By the way, this is the archaeological ruins right by St. Anne's Church of the two pools of Bethesda. Now, they would have been much lower. They would have been at a first century stratum or level of ground. So again, we're talking, when we open the scriptures, I'm not up here talking about fairy tales, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking and teaching about real places, real events, real people, and the New Testament is a historical document. So we could, all we could go there right now today and see what's unfolding. So it's the Feast of Purim. Thousands have gathered around the two colonnades. It's smelly. It's stinky. The house of mercy, haha, <laughs> that's the house of misery, and Jesus shows up. Let's look at our passage. In these, that is the different colonnades, there were five porticos, twin pools with a bridge in between. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. It couldn't get any worse. The Bible often uses those four words to define human suffering. Now, I want to teach you something else. Do you know what life expectancy was in the time of Jesus? It was not 73 years of age as it is today. It was 20 years of age. Life expectancy in the time of Jesus was 20. In fact, 25% of the Roman Empire was sick, dying, or in need of immediate medical attention on any given day of the Roman Empire, and you wonder why Jesus' miracles made him famous. In another message, I hope to teach you about how famous Jesus indeed became, first and foremost, because he was a great miracle worker. He worked miracles. He did signs and wonders. Let's continue on in our passage. So that's Bethesda. People were there who were broken physically. And I want to remind you, if you're broken today, Jesus loves you. Jesus has special care for those of you who may be watching and you're hurting right now so much, as much as you'd like to, you might be neutropenic, 
You might be immunocompromised. You might be watching from a hospital room this morning, and I want you to know Jesus loves you. You are not alone. Jesus loves broken people. But there are those that are watching right now and listening in this room, and you're not just broken physically. Perhaps you're broken emotionally. Life has been hard on you. We get broken by life. It's, the, it's when you try to make a fire and you're rubbing it together and smoke comes out. That's what we feel like. We get broken by how people mistreat us, break promises, disappoint us, don't keep their word. If that's you, if you're one of those I'm describing, I want you to know that the Bible says Jesus has, listen to me clearly, a special compassion on you. My little sister, we, I've experienced a week of, by the way, I don't normally do this. I've just had a week of miracles. You all are my church family. I hope you don't mind. I want to show you a photograph of my little sister, Jenny Lee, relating to broken people. Those of you who have read Body of Proof, you heard that in August of 2021, Jenny Lee and Jeff lost their son, Wesley. And we say his name in the presence because Wesley was stillborn, and we know that Wesley is with Jesus Christ. The first time, Jenny Lee said something so powerfully that I've never forgotten. She said, I know the first time that Wesley opened his eyes, he saw Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this week, when I was called in Dr. Graham's office, April 24, Jenny Lee and Jeff gave birth to another son, Wyatt. Wyatt is the little brother of Wesley who's in heaven. And can I just tell you how neat it was to receive a text from my little sister this week that said, Jeremy, I'm so glad, she calls me Jeremy, actually, Jeremy is how it sounds. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm so glad that my dad is alive, he's going to meet my son, and my son's alive, and I'm healthy. Amen. God is so good. But I want to tell you, that picture on the left was hard. Some of you are in the room and you've been there. You've lost someone very close to you. I'm about to teach you that Jesus sees you. He sees you. It's interesting because Jenny would call me and say, I don't have any faith. Do you know God works even when we don't have faith? The scripture says, even if we are what? Faithless. He abides what? Faithful. He cannot deny himself. Aren't you glad that God never gives up on you, even in those moments where if you were really honest, you had no faith? This is one of those miracles, as we're about to see in the Scripture, and I want to let it roll over you, where Jesus performs a miracle, and I want to speak out against false teaching for a moment under the authority of our pastor in this church. Don't ever let some heretic tell you that you didn't get healed because you didn't believe enough. Don't ever let some heretic tell you you didn't get made better because there was some sin in your life. Don't ever let some heretic tell you if you would have just given more, prayed more, God would have done then. When we get to heaven someday, 
Not a single one of you or me are going to be patted on our back for the strength of our faith. Did you know that? We are not saved because of how strong our faith is. We are saved because Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. Faith is never complemented in Scripture to a saving effect. Faith 200 times in the New Testament is conditioned, but we also see where Jesus likes to heal people who didn't even ask for it. Do you remember when Peter cut off some guy's ear? Do you, did the guy have time to say, Jesus, will you heal my ear? Do you read that? No, Jesus just healed it. The man, as far as we know in Mark 2, didn't ask to be healed. And this man, as we just saw in my buddy Dallas's show, The Chosen, he had no faith. He had been sick, the scripture says, for 38 years. Now, I want you to look at verse 6 for those of you who feel broken today. When Jesus saw him. Jesus came to that pool of Bethesda, that house of mercy, and let me tell you something, Jesus saw that man. And if you're struggling, the first thing I want you to know is Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. We live in a world where we can put up so many facades. We can show a highlight reel on social media. We can wear fine clothes. We can hide behind the gated communities we live in. But we don't feel seen. I paused last night when Jesus saw him. I want you to know if you're broken today that Jesus sees you. And then notice too, it says, and Jesus knew, verse 6 still, that he had already been there a very long time. It reminds me of the two sisters in John chapter 11. Lazarus, their brother, has died. And they both asked Jesus the same question. You know, Jesus, if you just would have been here, this wouldn't have happened, as if Jesus didn't know what had happened. Jesus, if you just would have been here. I love this in verse 6, when Jesus saw him, and there Jesus knew he had been there a long time. Jesus knows every part of your situation. He knows your heart. He knows what's possible and probable. He knows every outcome of your life. Will you let Jesus' omniscience of your life allow you to rest for a moment? He knows every pain. He knows every hurt. He knows everything that you have felt. And let me tell you, he sees you. He knows you. Now, I want you to see a third thing in verse 6. This is powerful. Jesus not only saw him, Jesus not only knew him, Jesus spoke to him. Do you see that in the text? Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? What a powerful question. We've taught you that Jesus asks 339 questions in the Gospels. This is one of 55 questions that Jesus asks. He says, do you want to get better? Do you want to be healed? 
The man is suddenly taken back. He doesn't even know who's talking to him. He says, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. The the pool was full of superstition. It was probably a natural bubbling spring, but in the first century, they didn't know that. They thought it was an angel that would stir the water from time to time. And, you know, the first one in got healed, and he never made it because we don't know exactly what his ailment is. We know that he was probably a paraplegic. He could not move on his own. And immediately he's on the mat. He's telling Jesus, I can't get off this mat. This mat has defined my life 38 years. He said, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm going another steps before me, Jesus looks at him now, and I want you to see he speaks to him, Jesus sees him, Jesus knows him, Jesus wants him, and Jesus wants to redeem him. Jesus gives him a command, and he says, let me tell you what I want you to do right now. I want you to pick up this dirty, smelly mat, I want you to throw it over your shoulder, and I want you to walk out. Now, friends, I want to remind you that we all have these triggers in our life with what I said, but I don't even know how to pull this thing up, by the way. (laughs) You get the picture. Jesus will turn your triggers into triumphs if you let Jesus free you. We cannot do it alone. We cannot do it with superstition. You know, if I just get there, if if, if I just believe more, you know, if I just had a little bit more faith, I thank God Jesus loves me when I'm faithless. If I could just do a little bit more, God. Jesus is so full of grace and compassion. The man, he doesn't even wait for the man to answer his question. He heals him on the spot. Strength is returned to his legs. He picks this up. And guess what? This becomes, according to Joshua 4, a stone of remembrance. You remember that, Matt? Can you imagine him throwing it down in the temple colonnade? Of course, the religious people start to get really mad. Watch out when God starts working in your life and a legalist or a religious person doesn't understand. Amen? Amen. Jesus redeems him. Get up off your mat and walk. It is not willpower, desire, or faith the man lacks. All he lacked was doing what Jesus said. And you know, that's what you lack here today. Some of you, you may not be smelly like the man or have made the mess up here like this, but you think that you can do it on your own. And friends, you can't. Your marriage isn't going to make it on your own. Your life decisions are not going to make it on your own. And that's why you need to be part of this church. And before you can be part of this church, you need to be part of the family of God. And you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. Have you done that? I mean, have you really done it? This is your time. Jesus commanded him. Whatever the man wants didn't matter. Jesus wanted him to get better. He had tried superstition for 38 years. He had tried self-medicating 38 years, and it left him weak, miserable. He didn't even have the unction to believe, and Jesus said, you're going to be well. Get up and walk. Jesus also says, now remember, he's confronted later in the temple. I want you to go home and read the rest of John chapter 5. Jesus pops into the man at the temple, 
And again, the religious establishment got very mad at him. How could you tell someone to pick up and walk? By the way, that's not even in the Old Testament. Did you know that Judaism has an oral tradition called the Mishnah? And the Mishnah, the oral tradition, took the Tanakh, or the Old Testament, and they actually whipped up 39 rules and regulations that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. It's not in the Hebrew Bible. It's not in the Old Testament. It's human tradition. And do you know this is the first time in John's gospel we're told they wanted to kill him? Watch out for the people in your life who want to stop you from growing in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Watch out for the people in your life who want to stop what God's doing in your life because they don't get it. It's time to say no to those relationships for the bigger yes of Jesus in your life. Don't you love this straw on me? I'm going to go back to the dry cleaner after this. Jesus said, truly, truly, verse 24, and pastor wanted me to make sure and say this because this is where he's going. As quick as Jesus said, get up and walk away on that mat, Jesus looks at this man in verse 24, looks at the religious elite, didn't understand what God was doing. Oh, I get a little uncomfortable when Dr. Johnston says there's a lot of miracles happening. What is he talking about? I can't explain it. It's God Almighty working. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who, who sent me has eternal life immediately. Just as immediate as the paralytic stands up and walks out with that straw mat, you can have eternal life today if you say yes to Jesus Christ. Amen. And do you know what happens in an instant? Jesus says, he who don't go into judgment, you literally pass in that moment from death to life. Now, how many of you are ready to say, let's go to that? Let's go. What are you waiting for? This is your time. Let's bow our heads and pray. This is our time to go. Would you bow your heads and pray? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're early, so I want to have a special time of invitation. Couldn't possibly close this service without asking you, are you broken? Are you broken emotionally? Are you broken by life? Are you broken by circumstances, sickness, disease, broken by false teaching, heresy? Today's your day. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. John 5, 24 says, truly, truly, I say to you today, you can have life. Some of you have said yes to Jesus, but you're still walking around with a mat that stinks and smells, and, and you've just not had that freedom that Jesus wants you to have. This is your time to have that freedom as well. I cannot forgive you of your sins, but Jesus can. And just as quick as you say yes to Jesus, he'll forgive you. But I can lead you to Jesus Christ. Now, there is a responsibility factor some of you are paralyzed. You're going to stay right in that pew. You're not going to experience what God has for you today because something or someone or embarrassment or pride, I'm just going to stay here. Can you imagine if the man who had been sick for 30 years hadn't stood up? All he had to do was stand up. Didn't even have to believe. He just had to come. What are you waiting for? Seriously, what are you waiting for? Some of you, you've been dating our church and it's time to join our church it's time for you to come into the family of god join a life group get serious about your faith 
Because let me tell you, without this church, I'm just that paralyzed dude on the ground. I can't lead my family. I can't lead my marriage. I can't do the things God has called me to do alone. Satan wants me to be isolated like that man. Satan wants me to do superstition like that man. When are you going to throw all that off and say, I'm coming today because I need the freedom that Jesus gives me. Some of you need one of our pastors to pray over you today for healing. You can come forward today for healing. We're not going to do anything weird or wild or embarrassing. We have a prayer room. We'd love to pray for you according to James 5 if you need healing today physically, emotionally, spiritually. Now, I have closed my sermon early to give extra time for this invitation. So would I, can I just ask you to stand with me if you wouldn't mind? Would you just stand and would you please be respectful of how God is working in those whose, whose hearts have been touched by the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask our pastors to join us across the front. Those of you who are streaming right now, this is a great opportunity for you to text me. I want you to text me and just say, Jeremiah. Well, first you have to text Jesus to 74788. 74788, just text Jesus. We have pastors right now standing by that if you're watching in a hospital or if you're infirmed or immunocompromised or neutropenic, you need someone to pray with you. This is our time. We can pray for you. If you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ, you just text. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text Jesus to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text the word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.